millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. My next guest was diagnosed with a rare congenital benign brain tumour at the age of 36 in 2015, which led to her enduring years of harsh surgeries, radiotherapy and countless hospital stays. Katie McGrath, a Paula Duff Road native, has written a memoir called Heads or Tails, outlining her journey. And uh, Katie joins me uh, now. Good morning to you, Katie. Good morning, Patricia. And it's great to speak to well, you. Well, it's lovely to speak to you and you, your story is truly uh, inspiring. So I suppose the obvious first question is for you to explain what pushed you to write this book and why, why do you feel this book is important? Um, I, I actually felt compelled to write the book. Um, when I was in recovery, I felt very isolated. I felt like there was no other book out there that kind of portrayed the symptoms I'd gone through in my experience. So I kind of wrote a book that hadn't already been written. And I wanted to help people. I wanted to let them know that you're not alone and that there is hope at the end of, you know, a very long journey to recovery. And there are organisations out there that can help you. And friends and family can be a great support network as well. And the book is all about hope, um, I, I have to say. And it, it struck me when I finished the book. Uh, did you wish when you were first diagnosed that a book like this was on the shelf? Absolutely. And yeah. that, that's the reason behind why I wrote it um, was because I wrote a book that wasn't there for me. Um, obviously, that you can uh, gain a lot of support from like brain injury organisations, other organisations like Headway. But I wanted to write a book and I'm very honest in the book. Um, I'm very open about all my thoughts and feelings. And that wasn't there for me when I was going through my recovery. So I want to write it and reach out to people. Well, well done. Well done. And, and, and I really do think it will it will help uh, people. So let's go back to your diagnosis. You're married to Donal, little over a year. It's early 2015. You're starting, you'd been starting to feel unwell. Yeah, I started to feel like uh, I was, I was getting uh, really excruciating headaches, but they were very infrequent at the start. So I wasn't um, overly kind of concerned. I just thought maybe it's to do with I started a new job. My you know my job wasn't overly stressful, but you know yourself, you, you want to 
kind of go in there every day and do the best you can you can so I was putting it down to maybe stress from that um, and what happened was when I would get the headaches I'd also get distorted vision and the vision uh, was like the zigzag lines diagonally and one of my feet would also I'd have a tingling numbness in one of my feet um, but again, uh, the situation didn't really come to my attention until the last week in May. So you were what, putting it down to migraines? Yeah, I put it down to migraines. And the last week of May, I it was the first time I felt nauseous as well, which was a new symptom. And I felt very faint. So I went to South Dock and um, they, they diagnosed it as a bad migraine. Now, they did say if symptoms persist or, uh, you know, if you don't feel well in the next in the next few days to um, to to maybe go back to your own doctor. And I can't blame them. I know a lot of people who get migraines who have similar symptoms. Mm. So I did go back to work and by Friday still wasn't feeling right. I came home from work and uh, I felt sick. And I don't remember what happened after that until I woke up on the hallway tiles. I was after passing out. Um, and by the blessings of God, Donald, who, no, who normally goes to the gym, came back because he forgot something. Yeah, it was definitely, it was like a miracle. He he never misses a spinning class. And that Friday, he'd forgotten his trainers. And um, so he came in and I tried to explain to him what had happened. He rang South Dock in hindsight. Again, now we should have just rang an ambulance. But, you know, we just panicked and we said we're ringing South Dock. And they were the last point of contact. And while he was on the phone to them, I couldn't remember what I'd done that day. It was like, have I been to work? What did I do in work? It was it was very disconcerting. It was I was that's scary. It is. It's scary not remembering what you've done that that day. And it was only you know kind of uh, like maybe half five in the evening. So we went to South Dock again. I wasn't feeling well, and um, I I don't remember much after that. But Donald said I didn't come back from the bathroom, and he knew that was dangerous. You, yeah, you collapsed in the bathroom at South Dock. Yes, and exactly. that then led to you going into hospital and was that the first scan then that you yeah, had? They yeah, they did a CT scan straight away and straight away they, that they could see that there was a, a mass and that there was fluid on the brain. Um, so they did a drainage procedure that night to uh, drain the fluid. Uh, my headache beforehand was excruciating even after morphine. Um, so um, the next morning then I woke up and... Uh, they explained to me what had happened. The procedure had gone well. I had uh, an unusual, it was kind of like a drip attached to my head. I think it's called a ventriloscopy machine, which drains, uh, like it drains the brain fluid. Mm. So to look at, it was, again, very disconcerting, ready brown in colour, but it was there to, to monitor pressures in my skull and to drain fluids. And so, you know, it, it was, it wasn't nice to look up what it was doing. Oh, no, it was doing its job. Yeah. And to be told, you know, at 36 years of age that you have a brain tumour, what what goes through your mind? Yeah, it, it was shocking. They did an MRI that day and uh, soon after the neurosurgeon came back, Donald was, was thankfully with me and I was in absolute shock. I was petrified. I, was, I couldn't believe it. I was in disbelief because... Uh, we were also given the news that I'd be, um, I'd, I'd have an operation the next day, a craniotomy, and it would take five hours. And in my own head, I was saying, why will the surgeons be? Why will it take so long? What would they be doing for for five hours? I was, it was the scariest experience to be honest. 
and I didn't even, like, it was my own fear, but I actually thought, well, I survived this operation, and I had a very kind of loving, meaningful conversation with Donald that night, because I really didn't know if I was going to wake up from the operation. It was the scariest day of my life, to be honest. And that was the, really the beginning. You had, you had more more operations and procedures after that. And Katie, when you look back on all of the operations and procedures that you had to have, which of them do you look back on and say, God, that was the hardest? Yeah, there's, there's two. The first craniostomy, the recovery from that, even in hospital, was very slow. Like after the operation, I had a swollen eye, I had a swelling on the sides of my, um, my head because they had to put titanium brackets and screws so there was an indentation on my forehead, a swelling out the side from the operation, and um, my eye was swollen for a few days just from the operation. And again, um, just uh, I was very, um, just very weak, very disorientated, in shock, still in shock. And um, then I was, they were hoping to kind of let me go home to recover because you know they don't want you to stay in hospital in case you pick up an infection. Um, or something else and uh, I suddenly became sick again and I kept falling asleep and they were bewildered and they did the right tests and they said I had diabetes insipitus which is I was excessively drinking water while excessively urinating and all the sodium was, was, was being pushed out of my body so I was put on fluid restriction um, I was in the hospital a bit longer, but they got it under control. Was that was that linked to the brain tumor? It was. It's quite right. common. Yeah, it it does happen with with uh, if there's any kind of brain operation and a tumor. Now okay. it, again, it, it it's not the most common thing to happen, but it, it, they were kind of aware of what what it might be straight away, and they just did a blood test. I mean, the the one thing with your story, uh, Katie, if it's rare, it's guaranteed to happen to you. With every page I was with every page I was turning, saying, "I cannot believe what this girl is, has, has been put through," and the the operation that you had to have through your nose, yeah. I, I found I thought, "Oh my god!" My heart went out to you uh, on that one. Was that particularly difficult? It was, and the recovery was yeah. very slow. Again, it was an endoscopic endonasal surgery, so they uh, basically. Uh, put a tube um, up my my nose and managed to do the brain operation that way. They couldn't do another craniotomy because they knew I needed radiotherapy and they they just couldn't um, expose the skull in the head again. So this was the only route really to go and I had to go to Beaumont in Dublin for that. So again, a different location, different hospital. And you, and you didn't you didn't like leaving Cork really. You'd have preferred if everything was happening in Cork. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and this time I just didn't want to worry my parents so I didn't actually tell them I was going to Dublin for an operation I just felt like I wanted to kind of protect them from you know more more worry and more trauma I did tell them obviously after but um, so I had the operation and I had a bandage on my nose this time and the bandage was left on for a few days and again I was suffering from it's an unquenchable thirst after you have an operation from the anaesthetic so my sister Maria actually had a great idea and I actually said it to them. I said, could I actually get a cup of ice cubes that I could suck on instead of trying to limit the water? You know, I was on fluid restriction again and that really helped. That's a great tip for people uh, as well. And the one thing about your book, you know, it's got it's got great detail in it and it is, it's such an honest read as well. But the reason that you've got such great detail is the fact that you journaled during your treatment 
did that journaling at the and it was never with the idea of writing a book but obviously then you had almost all the research in front of you did the journaling at the time help oh without a doubt it was so therapeutic and I've always been the type to kind of be very expressive and, and write things down and when you actually write with pen and paper it connects you more to your words and um, so it was like therapy and in, in the journal I had you know, very specific details and certain details I couldn't recall. And Donald, my husband, was very good for recalling certain things, you know, like certain positioning of operations for the book, especially. I wanted to get everything accurate. But the journal was, was therapeutic and it was it was rehabilitative. Mm. You again, know, again um, another uh, tip and, and a help for anybody else who who's going or will go through uh, what you went through. And while you've recovered from the operations and the procedures and, and all of that, it, it has come as, has, at a cost, uh, Katie. You've got vision issues and the one thing that's heartbreaking and it's, it trickles throughout the book, you're no longer able to drive and you're finding that very difficult. Yes, I am, definitely. Um, you know, I've driven uh, over 10 years and you just feel like you've lost your independence. You're reliable on other people constantly. Uh, people don't mind, like my husband, my family and friends do consistently give me lifts, but you just miss the independence of being able to bring yourself places. Um, it's it's heartbreaking, it, and you actually go through like a grieving process. Mm. You know, uh, it was very, very tough. Um, like, I do try and count my blessings because I know I could have lost more vision. Um, I've only lost a percentage, but I've lost peripheral vision in both eyes, and that's why I can't drive. If, if you, you know, I've lost in both eyes. Sometimes if you only have lost in one eye, there is a possibility you can drive, but I've lost them both. But I still count my blessings that I can see, I can yeah, walk. Yeah. And, and, and I love the way when you needed to get treatments or therapies or whatever, you tried to make sure it was on a bus route. Because <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you are still very yeah, very independent. And the other thing that really struck me was, Katie, you've really beaten yourself up about your weight gain. I know. And with terrible. everything you've been through. Hun, honest to God, and and I've seen photographs. You're stunningly beautiful. Thank you. St- stop beating yourself up. You've been on steroids, which of course is going to balloon your weight. Yeah. yeah. That you found Thank that you. you found that really hard as well. I did. It was kind of. I felt like my identity had been stolen because um, at the start as well. I, I and this is only a small superficial thing. I couldn't color my hair. I, I usually, but again, that didn't get to me. It was more the weight. Um, I suppose as a woman, you you know that you'd always try and um, monitor your weight. And I never um, had a major weight issue, but just because I was in recovery and um, I wasn't doing exercise and I was just eating a bit more. And, you know, I am a bit kinder to myself about that. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and you'd have you'd every reason to comfort it, honest to God, with with what you've been through, and the the book details the support of your husband Donal, your family, and your very uh, close friends, and that's important to get out to people. Lean on others when de- you need it. Definitely, I mean, you need a good support network, and um, between family and friends, you know, you just need people that you can talk to. You're going to be very anxious at times. You're going to feel certain things. And just being able to have those people to depend on. Like, for example, there was days after my first craniotomy where Donald would just take me out for a spin in the evening just so I wouldn't acquire cabin fever. And that really helped me. It's the smallest details that can help you, you know. Has the pandemic been hard on you? It has because um, now, in a way, I've kind of dealt better because I'm used to being at home more, whereas I know some people are struggling with being at home a lot. 
so I, I haven't really acquired that much cabin fever. But I have I've been avoiding the bus because you know it's just too risky for me, and um, especially being on steroids, uh, which are immunosuppressant. And um, you know, I, at the odd time I would have gotten a cab as well before, and so I've tried to avoid that as well. So in that way, it has. In other ways, I I I've probably adapted a bit quicker. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, in a way, it's probably been a bit easier for me because I'm so used to being at home and. You know, doing a lot uh, in the house, whereas I know other people have struggled with that. Yeah, you you were already doing the cocooning before yeah. before it even happened. Yeah. Well, listen, it's a terrific book. Where is the book available? So it's available on Amazon. It's available um, in paperback and Kindle version there, and um, it's available in Washes on the Washstone Books website. And you can also order it from all major bookstores if you go in and you ask them, can I order the book? They should be able to order it's it. It's heads you. or tails and it's tails as in T-A-L-E-S. And what is life like today for Katie McGrath? Yeah, life is a lot more positive. Is it I, good? Yeah, I try and uh, focus on the positive. Um, obviously, I'll be on a drug kind of regime for life, but I've gotten adjusted to that. Um, but I just try and think of the positive. I I try and uh, kind of pay it forward as well, as in um, I try and be as helpful as possible to other people, especially people, you know, who've helped me. And, you know, um, obviously the writing of this book was very therapeutic and very rehabilitative. Um, I'm back doing a bit of voluntary work for my sister-in-law's business now as well, which has really helped. Well, listen, you you are you were you, the book is inspirational, and you, you have a great gift to tell a story. Thank uh, you. So well, well done on that. And listen, thanks a million for taking time out to join us. And You're talk welcome. To us today. I'm, I'm glad I was able to share my story. Good morning to you. Thank bye you, bye. You bye bye. That is uh, Katie McGrath. The book is called Heads or Tails: Surviving a Brain Tumor, and she did. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.